And please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Welcome back. It's Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and you are at your place for the Raw and Unscripted show. We're going to be talking about... <clears throat> finding your passion and your purpose with an excellent gentleman I've had the opportunity to meet because I was on his show. Not only was I on his show, I was on his show with his dad. Oh my God, talk about overwhelming. And then recently we had Otis McGregor on the show. I think it's a couple episodes ago, not too long ago. Very, very popular episode. What an accomplished man. So if you have not heard that episode or seen that episode, go back there and check it out. Otis McGregor. Otis McGregor. Oh, is, that a, is it a Scottish? Is it an Irish? Actually, if you want me to be really smart, I should probably fucking tell you this shit right away. So uh, let me tell you what the episode number is. And that way you can go find it for yourself. Otis McGregor. Where is he? Where is he? Da, 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 da. Episode 223. So dad is 223 and son is going to be 227. And so I had a fantastic time getting to know these guys. So I am pleased to welcome to the Ron and Scripted Show his son, Mr. Camden McGregor. What's going on, Camden? Thank you for coming to the Raw and Scripted Show, brother. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. What are you excited about? You're excited about my questions? You're excited about my energy? You excited <sighs> about I'm wearing a Ramon shirt tonight? What up? I, I mean, I love the energy. You know, you talk about that two-hour conference. I'm thinking I got about 45 minutes of you when we interviewed you, and that was great. I can only imagine what two hours of that kind of energy would do for somebody. Uh, but no, I'm just excited. This is my, actually my first time being on the other side of the microphone. So I get to actually do a little bit of the talk and tell some stories, not just ask questions. That's going to be nice. Ooh, tell me some stories about your dad. Cause I just noticed that he just popped up here. Cause he gave me some ammunition for you. He goes, I had blast on number 223. So Otis, thank you for joining me, brother. I appreciate that. We had a great, great conversation. We dove deep. Uh, what a tremendous individual. So tell me something about your dad that, um, that inspires you about him. You know, I think a lot of it has to do just with the standard that he holds himself to. You know, a funny story that comes to mind for it was he coached my high school rugby team, hadn't played rugby at all, really was just trying to do the good dad thing, came out there in supporting practice with strength and conditioning coach, and then worked his way up and wound up being the head coach for the team. And I remember showing up to practice on time, you know, getting there early, like he would always teach me. And people be screwing around, but I was always held to that standard of, look, if you're screwing around, you're the captain. You got to elevate yourself, elevate everyone else around you. And I always really appreciate that of him, that he helped me to an even higher standard than he helped the other boys. And I think that's something that's really important because the highest standard, not just for me, was him for himself. And I think that's what's really important, holding yourself to that high standard, being disciplined. And I think that's how you get the most out of life. Mm -mm. So is there a rule of three in rugby or in, in, in that situation? Yeah, rule of three. I mean, there's lots of rules of three in rugby, actually. One of the simple ones, usually in offense, you want to pass the ball out three times, makes the defense work, run back and forth. Uh, you work in threes in rugby a lot. I mean, honestly, this is one of the things he's great at is acronyms. Army guys love that. And then putting things in the rule of three. I think he probably had five or six rules of three, to be honest. Mm, awesome. Yeah, and, and I think about that. One thing I do have to say about rugby is mad respect, mad, mad respect. I really didn't know what it was as an American because I mean, we, we have football, right? I mean, the big tough guys in the padded padded uniforms and, you know, that, that's what I grew up with. That's what I saw. And then I went over to England and one of my friends said, hey, we're going to take you to a rugby game. And I'm like, I think that's croquet. I'm not sure what it is. And I showed up there, had a beer in hand, nice big beer. And everybody's in there. Oh, all the guys in the stands are like chumming it up and everything. And all of a sudden the game starts and I see these guys come out on the field with no fucking uniforms. And I'm like, what are they playing? Like, is this, is this soccer? Is this like 
Chris, just watch, just watch. Just watch. And I proceeded to watch these guys slamming into each other mm-hmm. with zero protection, bleeding like within five minutes going, oh my God, these guys are maniacs. What got you into that? I mean, what was, what were some of the, what was some of the learning highlights of, of being in that contact sport here in the States? Yeah, you know, actually what got me into it was uh, when my dad was stationed in Germany. We lived in uh, Stuttgart, Germany for three years. And the Rugby World Cup was in France that year, just like it's actually started here just in a few days in France again. And uh, we went out and we saw USA play Samoa. And just like you were talking there, I was just hooked. I had no idea what I was watching, but I knew I wanted to be a part of it. So we came back to the U.S. I got involved with rugby. And I'd say really the, the thing you learn a lot in that type of environment is, one, you know, there's always going to be so many high performers. It's about finding your role within that team. But then also when you're getting hit in the mouth like that, it just teaches you how to be humble. It teaches you when to shut your mouth, it teaches you when to poke the guy back. Sometimes all of those different things that, you know, when, you, when you're faced with another guy running full speed at you, you got no pads on, just like you were saying, you got You got to be tough. You got to get stuck in there. And I think really the big lesson for rugby for me is it doesn't stop. You know, you, you mentioned it's a lot like soccer because the play doesn't stop. You know, when you get hurt, I remember a game here at U of A, I got shot, I was shot, hit in the leg real hard, shoulder right in the knee, got a dead leg, opening play of the game, had to play 80 minutes with that. And, you know, that's not even that bad compared to what a lot of guys go through, you know, broken nose and those type of things. And they just want to keep playing because it's when you're out there, you're playing for each other, taking care of each other, and it's you can't stop. So it's like you might as well just stay in it and keep moving. Oof. I just want to go take aspirin after you talk about that. I'm, <laughs> I mean, I would be 55 next year. So my days of playing contact sports are, are pretty much over. Um, except for with my six-year-old son, we play contact sports. But, uh, you know, one of the things I'm hearing you talk about is standards and talking about doing our best. That's um, that's one of the questions I want to dive deep into. But first, you know, we called the show finding your passion and your purpose. And I know that you are a part of, you know, the tribes and passions and purpose. And that's a lot of what you center your message around. What is it that you most want people who are listening and watching this tonight? What do you most want them to get from the message that you're going to be sharing with us tonight? You know, I think the biggest thing, and this is kind of funny, but I think it fits it fits very well with you, Chris, is, you know, purpose is not some foo-foo fancy little thing. It is a real thing that you can go find in your life and you can go live it every single day. I think, you know, we're, we're a couple of macho guys. We hear things like purpose sometimes and you sound a little soft, you know, those type of things. And I think really, you got to realize it's a real thing and you can choose to pursue it. You can pursue it every single day and it can have an amazing impact on your life when you do that. So purpose is not just some foo-foo thing. It's a very real thing and it's an important one. It is. And I find that so many people don't know what their purpose is. They wander around. They think that someday their purpose is going to come to them. I really don't know what it is that I want to do when I grow up, Chris. I really don't know what my purpose is. I know my purpose right now is just to survive and go to this nine to five job that I'm doing okay in, stay in this relationship that I'm doing okay in. What recommendations do you have for people to get very clear on their purpose? Because I know I'll share one with you, and I think I may have shared it on your show. But for me, there's a certain, there's a definition of what my purpose is and to find that clarity so that we can be intentional every single day with our standards, like you were talking about before. How do people find their purpose? Yeah, you know, I think, it, first of all, it's it's a, it's a journey. You know, I think that one of the most important things is to not play the perfectionist game. You know, if you think you have an understanding of what your purpose is, start living with that, start pursuing that, and you'll know right away whether or not it's working or not. You know, you got to date your purpose a little bit before you marry it, I guess I would say. Uh, but I think the really important thing is understanding your passions, your skill set, and those different aspects of your life. You know, looking backwards at your education, you know, especially with my coaching with college athletes, we talk a lot about their time and their sport. And 
those type of things and looking at all of that and then trying to tie that story all together into your purpose, you know, looking at those first 10 chapters, like whatever you want to call it, and then saying, okay, how is this book going to end? And that is really the best way to get it started and get an idea of what your purpose is. But I think the most important thing is you got to start pursuing it. You can't just, you know, go back and forth trying to play the perfectionist game. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's why I take people, I tell people every day to take imperfect action every single day. Like, have you learned from your mistakes? Yes or no? Yes. Go make more of them. That is so counterintuitive what we're told to as kids. Like we're told as kids, if we make mistake, that's bad. Like don't make mistakes because that's bad. You always want to get things right and perfect. So what do we do? We take that, we sit there and we take that reserved action. Like, okay, as long as I don't do anything, I won't screw anything up. And that way I won't be look bad in anybody's eyes. But the fact of the matter is, is take that imperfect action every single day. That compound effort will lead you to that greatness and will raise your standards for what it is that you can accomplish. I know for me, when you said, you just said it, you know, think with the end and work backwards. For me, I was doing very well uh, financially and everything in life. I was still not spiritually aligned with myself. Um, I knew what the recipe for success was. If I make other people happy by doing what they want me to do and exceed their expectations, I will be compensated for it. And so I learned that as being a seventh grade homeless dropout. Like I learned like, okay, as long, what, do, what do I have to do to find security in myself and find security for my family? Do the things that other people want me to do. But I felt that was incongruent with where I was at in my life. It was in my early 30s and I went to a funeral and at the funeral, I was watching person after person get up there and eulogize one of my coworkers. And so my buddy Dave Riley gets up there in his gray tux. I'll never forget it. Gray tuxedo or gray suit with a pink tie and big tough dude. He lives up in Alaska now and fishes and roughy beard and all sorts of stuff. But he gets in there and starts blubbering about this coworker that we had. And I knew the coworker. And I know didn't know her very well, but I was there paying my respects. And I thought, wow, if I died tomorrow, who would show up and what would they say? And so it really caused me to think. And I'm like, 10 or 15 people would show up. They would bring uh, cases of Miller Genuine Draft. They would bring bottles of Jack Daniels, Motley Crue of Bon Jovi Records. And they would talk about all the stupid shit Chris did. Oh, remember that time he drove a sand rail back to back to camp without his headlights on? Remember that time he passed out by the fire and we stacked food on his head? Remember that time he got caught dating two girls in one night. Remember that time? Oh, by the way, a little postscript on my life would be, oh, he was a former seventh grade homeless dropout who earned his master's degree and changed the world. And I thought, is that how I want to be remembered for is all the stupid shit I did. And then, oh, by the way, this little other part, he changed the world. And so now as I was driving home, it really stuck with me. So when I got home, truth is I wrote up my, wrote up my eulogy. And that's what I talk about, that clarity, that purpose, that passion, that, that thing that drives you every single day. I know exactly who I am. I know exactly who I want to be remembered for. So if this is the last thing I ever do and my son watches this, is he going to say dad was trying to live up to his eulogy? And in the crux of that eulogy, Camden was Christopher Roush will have fought for what's right and what's fair. He will have risked for which that mattered. And he would have left the earth a better place for who he was and what he did. And so now when I wake up in the morning, what's my intention? My intention is to be that person. What nuance of how I do my, do my daily situations, can I make that happen? Can I make a cash registers day just a little bit more better? Can I, can I impact my coaching clients' lives a little bit better? Can I do a social media post that perhaps will, will change somebody's perspective about something? Can I offer a workshop? Can I finish writing a book? By the way, it's just joinmekid.com. See? Yep. It's going to be out a little bit later than, than anticipated, folks, but it's still coming out. So I think about that, but I think about in terms of that, and now and this is my next question for you. When you think about doing your best, right? And so many people are sitting there saying, oh, Chris, I'm doing the best I can. Oh, Camden, I'm doing the best I can. What do you think people's best is? Or how do, how do, we, how do we raise that level 
of perspective to realize there's so much more within each and every person watching and listening to this to do their best. I mean, leverage is amazing. But what are some of your thoughts on that to get people to crank up that best in themselves so they can increase what it is that they're actually experiencing in life? You know, I heard this once in uh, talking about marketing efforts once for business, you know, to 10x your business, basically, you come up with five different ideas that could double your business. And then if you put all of those out, then you could 10x your business. Now, the idea behind that isn't that you're necessarily going to actually 10x your business, but it's that if you get one of those things to actually work, then you're going to double it. And that was the real goal all along. And I think you have to have a similar approach when it comes to your own performance in your life. You have to set a high standard for yourself and then push yourself to meet that. You know, I I, I also would add you don't need to be beating yourself up if you don't hit it every single time. Not not to make excuses, but to be you know understanding of we are people. We're not going to have perfect days every single time. But I think it's important to measure yourself up against that perfection so that you can work towards it every single day. You know, on the way to perfection, we find greatness. And I think that is such an important piece that if you don't have an idea of what that perfection is, what a perfect day looks like, that's another exercise I do with my clients, the ideal day. And if you don't know what that ideal day is, if you don't know what that perfection looks like, then you're going to hold yourself to a much lower standard. You know, I... I, I have an easy example that I do for myself every day. You know, we all should be drinking water, right? Uh, I don't know what my exact amount is for my size here. Yeah, I got mine here too. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I have a goal every day to drink two gallons of water. I know I probably need one. Two? But I tried two. Yeah, I push for it. But it's because I'm happy with one. And so you, yeah. I think that's a really important thing there, that you push yourself towards those big goals uh, so that you can hit something that, you know, normally you wouldn't be able to hit. If I'd only tried to drink one gallon of water, I probably wouldn't even hit it. But because I try to get two, I get one every single day. Damn. I know this is 32 ounces. And I know if I drink four of those, it's my gallon. I know that for most people say like drink half, half your body weight in ounces of water. And that's, that's actually a great point because a lot of people that I talk to who aren't doing so well, I'm like, I ask them a simple question. I'm like, I'm going to ask you a simple question. How much water do you drink a day? Oh, I don't drink hardly any water. What do you drink? Coffee, soda, blah, blah. I'm like, so do you realize that your body's like 70, 80% water? And when you don't drink water, you're dehydrated. And when you're dehydrated, you feel like shit. And when you feel like shit, you want to go to your short-term gratification. When you go want to go to your short-term gratification, you feel guilty the next morning because you didn't do the things you said you were going to do. And it becomes a, a cycle of insanity. You got to hydrate. And I'm glad you said that. And I'm glad you were talking about, you know, having that, that, that higher standard for yourself to say, okay, here's the goal. Right. So many people sit there and goal, hit a short goal and they make it and they go, oh, OK, wow, I did good. Like the question is, did you come here to be good or did you come here to be fucking awesome? Did you yeah, come here to be right. mediocre? OK, OK, I'm kind of happy in my job, kind of happy in my relationship. I'm kind of happy with my car, kind of happy with this. Like, did you come here for that or did you come here to sit there and say, no, that's bullshit. Like, I deserve more. And what I find so many people are lacking is they're lacking that self-respect. They're lacking that ability to really truly love themselves because they hold some sort of animosity or um, they hold some sort of guilt within themselves. Talk to us about that. You know, talk to us about a, per a period in your life, like where you were at your lowest, like think about your, your lowest. What is it that you learned from that? And what is it that you did to break out of that low point? Yeah, the lowest for me, I mean, it's, that's an easy one because it goes back to, I was playing rugby here at the U of A, you know, and in my mind, I was going to be a professional rugby player, going to play for the USA team. I had all these big goals and I was working towards that a weightlifting accident. And I didn't know how bad it was at the time. I, I, you know, I already had back problems. My back was just hurting a little bit more. I tried to play rugby that night and it was really painful. 
And, you know, I wind up having a bulge disc, turning to sciatica down the road and all those kind of things. But really what it was, was I lost my identity. I lost my passion. I, the thing that I loved most was the most painful thing to me at that point. You know, though, all I wanted to do was go play rugby. All I still want to do is go play rugby. I settle for coaching because it's smarter for my back. But you have to, I think when you're in those lows, I mean, there's there's the phrase of, you know, le uh, leaders are inspired by mountains, they're matured by valleys. I think when you're in those lows, you have to try to find the different things that you can learn in those moments. You know, everything in your life, every obstacle is an opportunity to learn. And I think during that time, what I what I really learned was that I shouldn't be tying myself to these different identities, these different titles, and instead, you know, tying myself to who I am. You know, I'm not Camden McGregor, the rugby player. I'm not, hi, I'm a rugby player. I'm Camden. And, you know, there's all sorts of facets to me, uh, you know, inside each man, or each man is a duality or whatever that phrase is. Uh, I got the first one right, couldn't get the second one right. Uh, but, you know, I think that's the really important thing is look for those opportunities to learn. And then those are the things that are going to help you to build that path forward. And that's what I work with a lot of my clients with, you know, they go through these dark moments, you know, transitioning away from your sport, you know, what you dedicated your life to up until that moment. And when you're in that situation, it feels like there's nothing left because that life that you had built yourself is gone. It is completely gone. Yeah. But you have to realize that you were kind of lying to yourself. That wasn't really your life. That was just the first section of it. And when you start to look at yourself in that way, I think it creates a much brighter path forward. It does. It does. I, I experienced that. What you're talking about is like, like the identity crash when I left my corporate position back in 2019. I was ready for it. I was what I call comfortably miserable. I made great money, had a corner office, had six weeks off, had every other Friday off. My zone of excellence as a leader, you know, leading different operations and, but still on the side, I've been coaching and speaking and, and, and writing books, not publishing them, writing books for over 20 years. And so when the opportunity came for me to exit the position and get a nice package, I was like, all right, let's do this. And it was surprised me how quick my identity was changed because I was like, I'm not that person overnight overnight i'm no longer that person so there was a lot of a lot of bad dreams that still happened to this day for some reason but there was like this switch that had to I'd go in with myself to go we shouldn't be so wrapped up in what we do we need to be wrapped up in who we are and i think that was for, that was an important point for me to really go back and look at that eulogy and go chris who are you really on my other show the unfiltered experience we just got through doing a season called who am i and you know i used to say oh who am i i'm a dad i'm a this i'm a that now I found myself going to a deeper level saying, I am peace. I am love. You know, that's those, those, I am source, you know, whatever it is that you might believe in. Um, so yeah, I think this, uh, this is a great stuff. I just want to capture some of these comments real quick. Feel free to get a drink of water. Um, do, 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 let's see. Um, uh, let's see. Jacqueline says here, so I can do that. My glasses, I will survive as always been surviving for years. Uh, been my own hero, no white knight on a white uh, steed saving my ass. It's been myself and I. Yeah, you know, sometimes you got to do that. You definitely got to make that happen. Um, yes, we got uh, Robert sitting here saying it's a cool shirt. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. <laughs> said, oh, man, maybe yours. Uh, oh, this well, is a great one. Yours. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, Serena says, loved your show. Otis, so inspiring. Yes, I remember she was there with us. Uh, Otis says, uh, date your purpose before you marry it. Bam, bam, bam. We got Nelly in the house. What's up, Nelly? Thank you for being here. Appreciate you. Um, let's see. Nelly says here, she goes, I try not to measure. I just drink water all day. If I feel good and well, I know I've had enough water, nutrition and rest. So for the system, great. Um, so this whole thing, uh, this works great. Absolutely. Um, Jacqueline Rose says here, what I learned about life is that shit keeps coming and life goes on 
You know, it is. It's so true. When you think about it, it's like, you know, I just tell people it is what it is. Like the sooner you get to the point, like, okay, my truck is leaking oil. It really is. And it's like, it is what it is. I don't want it to leak oil. I don't understand why it leaks oil. It better not be the timing chain cover because I already had that replaced. But Chris, it is what it is. I'm going to sit there and focus on that for two hours or three hours of the rest of the day. Or I say, it is what it is. I need to take it to the dealer. The dealer will fix it. I'll pay for it and it'll be done. It is what it is. Um, when you think about your life and you think about the different categories of life that we deal with, and, and I know you're an expert at this, how can we sit there and be better at managing a lot of the different aspects of our life, life categories, and f- still find passion and purpose within that? Because so many people, again, going back to feeling overwhelmed, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. I've got this and I've got this and I've got that. How do you help people streamline some of that stuff so they don't feel like they have to do so much, but they get to do so much? Yeah, you know, I think a really big piece of it, uh, first of all, when it comes to like life management, is that you need to understand those different categories, and define them. But then the big piece is not just, you know, defining them and putting them in those boxes, because then that's kind of the same plate spinning that you're doing in the first place, but realizing how they're interrelated and how they play into each other and how they play into your purpose. Uh, an exercise I take my clients through is uh, called the purpose statement. And so you have your big picture purpose, what I like to call it, you know, that's the I want to help people type thing. I want to solve problems, the really big stuff. And then you go through each of your life categories and you say, okay, how am I going to do that here? You know, I, I want to help people. How am I going to help people inside of my family? How am I going to help people inside of my friend group? How am I going to help people in business? You know, for me, one of my life categories is rugby. How am I going to help people in rugby? And I think it's when you start to tie those things together and realize that they all are working together, instead of spinning plates, you all have, you know, really just one big plate. And I think that's the really important thing there is not trying to separate things out because when you separate things, you're going to be overwhelmed because unless you are the perfect planner and have the perfect discipline and those kind of things, you're not going to be able to keep everything exactly right. You know, take eight hours in your workday and you split it up into four different projects. If you could actually do two hours exactly on each one, yeah, you might move forward on those. But realistically, that's not going to happen. You want to go into the day and just be like, okay, here are the outcomes I'm working towards. Here are these different areas of my life. And they all feed into each other, treating it as that whole instead of trying to divide it up into those different pieces. Because I think really what it comes down to when you talk about being overwhelmed is because you think you have a lot going on. When it all just goes back to one thing, it's a lot harder to feel overwhelmed. Mm, Ooh, that is deep. So how do you... How do you establish priorities? Because I know so many people are sitting there thinking, well, I have this priority, that priority, this priority. And most of the time I tell people priority is a singular word. It's not a plural word. But what are your thoughts on that for getting people to sit there and look at, okay, what's the real priority and how do we get that in alignment with what's most important like you're talking about? Yeah, you know, like when we talk life categories, especially, I think people can get really sensitive about trying to prioritize them. You know, it's really hard to put something at the bottom of your priority list, right? Uh, But Something not being a priority doesn't mean it's not important. They can all still be very important things, but you have to have your priorities because if you don't, you're going to, I mean, basically you're going to be screwing things up. You're going to be putting things over each other and then you're going to be beating yourself up over it because whether or not you take the time to properly define your priorities, you know that, you know, if uh, to take an easy one, you know, my first priority is going to be my family. If I spend too much time out at the rugby field, even though I love rugby or too much time in my business or on the podcast or whatever it is, and I'm not spending that time with my family, even if I'm not telling myself that my family is my top priority, I feel it. I feel it while I'm there because it's eating away at me because I know what I really want to do. And I think when it comes to prioritizing your life categories, what you really have to do is have that honest reflection of like, okay, what do I really what is really the most important thing to me? You talked about the eulogy. You have your life categories. You could probably write a eulogy in each one of those life categories. And then it's like, okay, well now pick one, Chris. 
And that's okay. Then you can pick two, you can pick three, you can pick four, but you have to keep in mind what that top priority is. I would rather be remembered to my wife as a good husband and to my future kids as a good father uh, than I would as a great rugby coach. Great rugby coach is an awesome thing that I would love to be remembered by, but it's not on the top of my list. And I think that's the really big piece there is recognizing those things can still be important, but you have to have a true priority because when, you know, the rubber meets the road, when push comes to shove, when those things are really competing for each other, you have to make that choice. You're going to need to uh, look at your priorities so you can make that choice and not uh, have it just eating away at you the whole time. Right. Mm. Can you talk to us about a, a specific example in your life where you, you came to that on your own? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I think I kind of alluded to it on accident, but I think the rugby and family example is one. Rugby is one for me. I, it is the fourth priority on my list, even though it is the one of the loves of my life, and I love rugby so much. All the coaching I do with uh, the Engage Foundation with the University of Arizona is a lot of fun, but when it really comes down to it, that's at the bottom of my list. If I am missing time with my family because I am going to, you know, because I have to be out there coaching, then that's not going to be okay. I'm not going to be able to sleep in that. You know, you have to pick that eulogy kind of like I said. And I mean, honestly, I've had that happen many times. Uh, really what it comes down to, I think, is at the uh, coaching with the U of A, you know, it's a high-level program. You know, we're competing for national championships. It is something where I could always do a lot more with it. And I could very easily dive all in and only eat, sleep, breathe rugby for that chunk of time, for that, you know, six months out of the year. But I just know when I do that, how much it eats up, eats up at me that I'm not spending time with my family or that I'm not working on my business and those different things. Because uh, I think a lot of the time, you know, somebody, I've had a couple coaches tell me this before, that, you know, if you try to do everything at once, you're going to fail at everything at once. Personally, yeah. I don't agree with that because it, there, there's <clears> truth to the saying, don't get me wrong, you know, there's just a layer of nuance I think a lot of people miss, which is those life categories feed each other. You know, if I didn't, as much as I'm saying, I don't want to spend all my time with rugby, if I'm instead spending time with my family. That being said, if I don't coach rugby, Chris, I'm going crazy. Like that's, that's, that's just the fact of the situation. And so I think you have to understand all those different things and how they work with each other. And that's when you can really get those priorities right. And then, uh, you know, when you have those tough moments like that, you can go to the thing that you are most drawn to that top priority. And when you do that, you know, even though you're missing something, even though you're going to have FOMO about missing something, you're going to feel better because it is the right choice because you went through that self-reflection to come to what that top priority is. Mm, I love that dude. I love that dude. Jen Grosso's in the house and she is saying here, she goes, I, I like that idea. That's a single word priority. It really is. It truly is. When I tell people to sit there and take the, the pluralness off of it, I've had bosses come into my office like, oh, Chris, I got another priority for you. I'm like, the fuck you do. <laughs> I'm like, you see this? I got two hands. I got one brain. What's your priority? What's your number one? Tell me what's your number one. Well, you know, we need to get all these done. No, you tell me one. I'm going to try to get them all done because I'm going to keep those plates spinning. But you tell me what the number one is. And that's one thing we have to do is we have to put that on other people. It's like, what's the biggest priority in our personal relationships? Like when we talk to our spouses and our loved ones, like what's the number one priority for me to give to you? Like, I don't know if you've ever heard of the book, The Five Love Languages. It's an amazing book that's out there. And it talks about that. Like, what's your love language? And what's that priority for me to give to you what it is that you need most? Because so oftentimes, well, I need this from you. And I need this from you. And I need this from you. And that's where that overwhelm can come to start to take place in our life where we're like, oh, my God. And then we start to feel like we can't do anything right. And then what do we do? We go to our short-term gratifications. We try to wallow away that pain and that sorrow, hoping, wishing, and praying that someday that changes. And I think what's important for us is to really like take the priority of who am I being to myself? 
am I being loving to myself? And and as a gift to people during COVID, I gave out a couple of hundred uh, coaching sessions. Just I did walk and talks and I do broadcasts like this. I'm like, anybody who wants a free coaching session with me gets it. And so I did about 200 of them. And about the 15th one in, maybe 20th, I don't know what it was. I heard this whisper, right? And I'm always listening to my whisper. And I think that's important for us to do. I heard this whisper that said, ask him this question. And so I would look him straight in the Zoom and I'd say, I'm going to ask you a question. It's a yes or no question. I want you to tell me the first answer that comes to mind. I don't want you to think about it too much. And I thought it was a stupid question. I thought this is like a really, what the hell is this all about? And I said, do you love yourself? Yes or no? And I sat there and I watched people on camera. 75% of these people struggled to either love themselves wholly or at all. Like, yeah, you know, da, 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 da. I kind of love this aspect of myself, but I really don't like this aspect of myself. And I was like, but yet you have these expectations that you're going to have this great relationship with somebody that you're going to attract this great job. But yet within inside of yourself, your own being, you're not making that priority to take care of yourself. And that's where I talk about the five, like number one was hydration, nutrition, exercise, sleep, and uh, vitamin D. I'm like, you take care of those five things, those five areas of your life every single day. Like I, I wear an aura ring. So I actually track my sleep. You know, when you get outside and you get some vitamin D, I found out that one day here in California, it actually rained for like 10 days. And I was so mopey and I was so down and I couldn't figure it out. And I was like, I looked up to the sky and I'm like, fuck, I haven't seen the sun in a while. Like, so when you sit there and you take care of those five things, we love ourselves. We get clear on that passion that we need to have for ourselves. It's pretty amazing. And then the next thing is the people that were around. Talk to us about that. I mean, you're a coach, you're, you coach people. How important is it for us to really be selective and careful about the people we associate with most? Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I think really what it comes to, what comes to mind talking about, you know, your tribe, the people that you're around yourself with is really just even to talk self-talk for a second, you know, the words we use take on meaning in our lives and the words that people around us use take on meanings in our lives. If you're around people that are always looking for the negative, always using excuses, those type of things that you're going to build into that life, you're going to be lazier if you're around lazy people. And I think, you know, it's, it's an important thing to realize that you can use that in a positive way also, right? When you surround yourself with other high performers, other people who want to get the most out of their life, who want to pursue their purpose, then you're going to get more out of it too. You're going to naturally align with those people around you. And I think, you know, too often in this, in this kind of a conversation, when it comes around the the tribe, people think it's this like hard line. You have to cut people out. Look, there's people that you get cut out of your life. I'm sure there are, but there's also people that, you know, uh, to, take it into the sports room, you, you might want to put them on the bench. They're not going to be in your starting 15 to talk rugby, right? You're yeah. going to have to look at people and recognize what their role is, you know, just like a rugby team. You got people out there who are all sorts of different body shapes, all sorts of different sizes and skills and these different things. Everyone has their area. Everyone in your tribe has an area of their expertise that you want to keep them around and use them for and, you know, to feed off each other in that way. There's people in your life that you can't cut away entirely, but you might want to just reduce that role. And I think that's an important thing. Uh, too many people, I think, make that a complete black and white. Like, look, I've got it. Look, I, top five people around me are the ones who influence me. So I'm going to surround myself with CEOs. And I'm cutting out my mom and my cousins and all those other people. It's like, no, 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 no. You can't do that. You can't cut all those. Sorry, mom. Out. You are the fucker. <laughs> right? Come on can't cut mom out but no if you uh if you do cut those things out just like we talked about the priorities earlier you're going to notice that something's missing in you because those people are part of your life for a reason you know there's going to be people in your life that uh aren't on the same level as you and you're the one pulling them that's just as important of a role as having somebody above you that's pulling you forward and so i think that's really what it comes down to it's not black and white but it is really fucking important and i think that's an important piece there is how important that is right you know it's not black and white but 
you got to treat it. Uh, you got to treat it with purpose. You know, sorry to overuse the purpose word, but you know, you have to have that sense of purpose moving forward with it and use it. You know, uh, I like to when I think about most things. I try to, you know, this from when we had you on the show. Talk, we talk about like the true mechanism behind people's choices and those kind of things. Right. I always try to look for what the mechanism is there. And there is a very strong mechanism when it comes to your tribe, the people that you surround yourself with. And you could use that in a positive way or a negative way, just like most mechanisms, but it is a very powerful one. And that's an important thing to know. Mm, I love what you're saying, dude. I love what you're saying. And it's so spot on. So I hope you guys really take to heart what we're talking about here, because in Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, it talks about the five people you're around the most. Mm -hmm. And Robert just, uh, Robert Oldu said here, uh, let me see, where was it at? Um, uh, yeah, he goes, it goes right here. He goes, it rubs off on you, whoever you hang around with. And that's why I'm still here. Exactly. You know, when I think about my life after I was homeless, I had this opportunity to move into this apartment with these guys and it was back at the height of the eighties, you know, heavy metal, Motley Crue, Bon Jovi, Van Halen. And, um, and all these guys were great. And all of a sudden I became popular. I didn't have any friends for four years of my life. I was literally a loner, didn't have any friends. I had to hide out because I was supposed to be in school. So here I was like, Oh yeah, we're having a good time. We're going to concerts and we're partying and just having a great time, girls and all this other stuff. <clears throat> and then one of the girls I was dating, her dad says, why don't you, have you ever thought about going and getting a GED? I'm like, Ooh, I don't know. That sounds like a doctorate or something like that. He goes, no, it's a general equivalency diploma. He goes, basically, you go back and you can go to continuation school and you go to continuation school and then you earn enough credits to be able to pass what would be like a diploma. I'm like, you think I'm smart? Okay, that's interesting because I was called stupid my entire life. I was literally called stupid by my parents, by my mom. I didn't know my biological father. Uh, I did poorly in school because I had an eyesight issue and I had a hearing issue. So I sat at the back of the class. I didn't try very hard, so on and so forth. So my my sense of self-confidence was, was, was super lacking. And so for this guy to sit there and think I could go make up high school from dropping out in the seventh grade where I was fighting and getting expelled to make it to the 12th grade, I'm like, dude, I'll be 75 fucking years old before I can get this GED thing you want me to get. But I had to sit there and like I talk about in this, this belief, I had to take his belief and I had to sit there and I'm like, okay. And this was back before, you know, the internet and everything else. So I had to pick up the phone and I had to call each school around my area and say, do you have a GED program? No, we don't. Okay. Thank you very much. Pick it up. Hi, do you have a GED program? Time and time and time and time again, until I finally found Wintersburg High School in Huntington Beach, it's Huntington Beach or, or Fountain Valley or something like that. And they said, we have a GED program. And I said, okay, I have no idea what to do, but how do I get enrolled in this GED program? Again, taking that imperfect action, having the belief and the faith that this guy thinks I can do it. Okay, I'm going to give it my shot. The next thing I need to do is to show up at the place. The next thing I need to do is take the test. The next thing I need to do is find out the test and so on and so forth. And so ultimately I entered in this GED program. And all my friends were like, oh, you're going to become Mr. Smarty Pants. You're going to become Mr. Professor. You're going to go blah, blah, blah. And they were like holding me back. And I'm like, no, guys, I'm actually trying to make my life better because my life fucking sucked for those four years. More like the first 17 years of my life. <clears throat> and so ultimately, I got my GED. And I, then all of a sudden, he goes, have you thought about going to college? And I'm like, what does this guy want from me, right? College, me a college student. I'm working two jobs. I'm living in an apartment with five guys. We're eating ketchup sandwiches, literally like literally ketchup sandwiches. And so this guy wants me to go to college. And so again, I had to take that belief and go to college. So all of a sudden my friends again were like, oh, you're a college student. You're too good for us. You have to do your homework. Da, 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 da. Hmm. Are these the people that I need to be hanging around or do I need to be hanging around this guy? Because he keeps giving me pretty good advice that potentially could get me out of this situation where these guys are going to continue to be in. And so I had to let him go. 
I had to let those guys go. Ultimately, one of them wound up killing himself. Another one wound up in a Nevada state prison. So one of them almost died from a cocaine overdose. There was so many different things, but I got out of that situation because I made that tough call, even to the point where I had to wish my sister well back in 2005, because she was just a narcissistic, self-absorbed victim for life. There was nothing or no one that was ever going to change her. So I literally wrote a note and said, please don't ever contact me again. I wish you all the best. And so sometimes we do have to make that hard and fast rule to be able to sit there and say, no, this is about me and not in a selfish way, but in a self-love way, because I'm not going to sit there and hang around toxic people hoping that I can change them or hoping I can inspire them. I'm going to continue marching on. And I think that's so important uh, for us to be able to do. So I have another question for you because <clears throat> we're going to, I mean, you and I could talk for hours. Why oh, is, yeah. why is a tiger the best animal? Oh my gosh. Well, one, they're big, they're cool. They are, uh, one of the better percentage hunters out there. I don't, I know they're not the top percent, but I know they're up there and they're just, I don't know, man. They're just freaking cool looking. I've always liked tigers. I know, I know you got that from my dad. Uh, but <laughs> come on, they, come on that's, like that's a, a question I ask there? everybody. <laughs> who doesn't like tigers? I mean, they got one of the coolest coats out there. They're awesome, scary animals. And I think there's just something in nature that's really cool about something that's beautiful and scary at the same time. And tigers definitely check that box. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. See? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I got to ask the other one then. What about the highball? That sounds like a fucking drink. <laughs> no, it is not a drink. Uh, no, so in uh, so in rugby, you'll kick, you know, you can kick the ball. It's one of the ways you can advance the ball forward. And so one of the tactics that people use a lot is you kick the ball as high as you can. And just like in a kickoff or a punt in football, so you can you know get people up there to tackle the guy in time. Uh, but also, if you're somebody like me, it gives the guy catching the ball a lot of time to get in his own head and to start beating himself up about the fact that, oh, my gosh, I can't catch this ball. I can't catch it. can't catch it. By the time the ball is there, I've already pictured myself dropping it 100 times in a row. I know I'm going to drop that ball. That is one of those things I played seven years of rugby. I probably caught like three or four high balls in my entire career. You kick a kick kicked me one at practice the other day at U of A. I dropped that one. It is just one of those <laughs> skill sets that I just do not have. But I think there's an interesting piece on the coaching there where when you have something that you're really bad at, sometimes you can analyze it in a way that can help you to teach others it. I still can't catch a high ball, but I can coach a kid to catch a high ball because I can show them all the lessons that I've learned. You know, uh, another thing, you know, I grew up playing soccer before I got into rugby. Uh, I was never the guy who's like, I just like hitting people, all that kind of stuff. I was not great in the tackle and the contact area and those kind of things. So I just analyzed it in a way where it's, look, if I can get better at these little things, I can make it, uh, you know, these simple checklist of items, then you can get better at it. And I think that's a thing that helped me as a player, but it's really huge as a coach of understanding that and then being able to apply those lessons to help other people. Beautiful. I love that answer. I was like wondering. I, I, I know he... I know my dad didn't think I was going to spin that one into a positive. Come on, ask yeah, me about the Yeah, see, no, that's awesome. <laughs> I told him, I said, give me some dirt. I said, give me some dirt. Give me some interesting questions to ask him so we can have a good time on here. So, you know, and bring the whole family into this. Um, we're, we're, we're running low on time. One of my favorite, I just, I just recently did an episode with a guy who wrote a book about asking questions because I believe that questions have the power, as we've illustrated in this conversation tonight, Camden, questions have the power to change the trajectory of our lives to change what it is that we're focusing on most and you working with working as a coach working with clients uh working on yourself obviously what are some powerful questions that we can give to people tonight that they can start asking themselves to start changing that trajectory of their life you know i think i think we've already covered you know quite a few of these but i think that the simple one is you know what is my purpose and that's a hard to answer question i think the the best questions are hard to answer if they have a sense of uh 
a contradiction inside of them a lot of the ways because life is complicated. You know, I, uh, I, I love economics because it's always multifaceted solutions. You know, uh, the stereotypical question you ask an economist, well, how does this affect that? Well, it depends because it depends on all of these different things, you know. Uh, and so I think having those complicated questions is a really important one. Um, I think aside from just what is your purpose, you know, what do you want to get out of life? Is this all there is to it? And then I think inside of that, of these ones that can seem really simple, but they have that depth to them if you let them is, you know, am I happy? Am I enjoying myself with this? What yeah. do I really like? Because a lot of the time, you know, we, we talk about passion some. Uh, I think the interesting thing with me with passions is how it's so innate to us. It's so easy to follow your passion, but we all kind of get it, you know, hit out of us a little bit, beat out of us as kids. Yeah, we don't need to go do all those things that we think are fun. Well, fun things are fun for a reason because you enjoy them. You know, going towards those things, even though it seems so simple, talking about drinking water earlier. It's so simple. Yeah, you should drink some water. If you're hydrated, you're 70% water. That's going to make you perform at a higher level. Those mm-hmm. simple questions that you really apply to yourself, I think are a really important way to go about it. But I think uh, the one thing I want to add on that, talking about asking questions, you know, makes you think of the podcast. And I think the best questions are the genuine ones. You know, you're not trying to uh, mess it around to try to get this perfect little question. I ask questions that are unanswerable on the podcast sometimes because the answer that they give me, even though I didn't answer the question, the answer is still going to be amazing because it is coming from that area that you're not going to normally think about because it's an unanswerable question. And so I think those those uh, genuine questions are the important ones. When something comes to mind and you're not sure about it, take the time to actually reflect, you know, journal on it, meditate on it, whatever your system is for it, and start to apply that and tease those things out because you can get a lot of lessons in your life out of those weird questions. Camden McGregor, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Raw and Scripted Show. Man, we've been going for 50 minutes. I appreciate you so much. We've had a great, great time. There's a lot of gems in here. If you guys just started watching the show halfway through, go back and watch it and listen to it again. Uh, We hit the ball rolling with a whole bunch of different uh, questions that can reshape your perspective about life. Camden, where can people get a hold of you? We got uh, we got a couple of links up here for them. Yeah, you know, best place is tribe-purpose.com. You can see right there on the screen. Uh, Another one would be findyourpurpose.coach. Uh, and find your purpose.coach. You'll see all of our free tools. It's got a directory, sends you to uh, the Cam and Otis show. Check out some of our episodes. We are coming up on 300 episodes. It's amazing. We've been doing that. Father, best father son business, uh, business podcast out there. It's awesome. Uh, nobody's, cha- nobody's challenged us for that title yet. So we're just going to keep wearing that one with pride. Uh, but I think the best place for that, the best place for all of our content, if anything I was talking about is interesting to you, go to YouTube at the Cam and Otis show. And on there, you're going to see all of our tribe of purpose content, all of the clips from the podcast, some clips of Chris on there. And uh, yeah, all of that great content to just help you to pursue your purpose, uh, find your passions, use those to help to fuel you along your way to make that per- make that uh, vision of reality, you know, go, go create your own success in life. And uh, yeah. Yes, I highly, highly recommend it. And as well, they can connect with you on IG at Camden McGregor, correct? Yes, sir. And I got to say, you have you had a pretty good Scottish accent doing it earlier. I guess people always have the Scottish accent coming to me. So I never got very good at it. But to answer your question to yourself, it is Scottish. There's a lot of Irish McGregors. They got kicked out of Scotland. It's a little history lesson for you. We uh, we don't play well with the British. I'll put it that way. <laughs> well, I have to admit my family, my wife and my mother-in-law who's with us right now, they're from uh, the old country as they call it. So we watched some sort of show on um, Netflix where these two guys, they were, I guess they were on some some show and now they go travel around different parts of Scotland. Now they went down to New Zealand. They're two Scottish guys. So I've listened to them. It's a great, great show. If you've never I'll heard of it. it I can't remember what their names are, but yeah, they just went down to New Zealand. There was like five or six episodes where they got really in, involved with the the 
the culture there two funny dudes one guy's got a big bushy beard the other guy's kind of a good looking you know model type <clears throat> but they were in they were in some show that i don't care for but my wife and my mother-in-law watch it so brother i appreciate you so much i'm gonna place you backstage don't go anywhere so i can still chat with you but i'm just gonna end out the show and uh it's been a pleasure having you on all right thank you so much chris it's been a lot of fun you are welcome and there you have it, ladies and gentlemen 52 minutes of pure enjoyment like when you i mean full throttle i mean both of us were sitting here going gangbusters because we're passionate because we're clear because we want to make a difference in your life you could see the heart on this guy you could see the passion in it, what it is that he does and you could see the vulnerability in having to sit there and look back on his life and sit there and say okay i might have to give up on this aspect of my life but i can spin this and that's something you can do in your life. Wherever you're at, you can spin something that's going on in your life and sit there and say, how can I take a negative and turn it into a positive? How can I take this situation that I feel might be a mistake or a failure? What are a couple of different things that I can do responsibly and do differently each and every day that maybe by over a period of time, three months, six months, a year, three years, I can turn this around and be looking back on this and go, wow, I'm so grateful for that happening in my life because so oftentimes we're sitting there looking at what happened and we're pissing about that. And we're gathering around people like, oh my God, this sucks and that sucks and this sucks. And then we wake up in the morning and what do we do? We pick up our phone and we look at the news, which God, don't even get me started on that. We look at the, oh, that sucks. That sucks. It's probably going to be a horrible day. Oh, I just bumped my foot on the, the bed. It's going to be a shitty day. And what do we do? We have a shitty day. Life is not supposed to be shitty, ladies and gentlemen. Life is supposed to be pretty fucking amazing. And when you surround yourself with the right people, when I call it a team, right? Somebody you trust, somebody who empowers you, somebody holds you accountable, somebody, I always got to make sure I can spell, um, T-A-M. So trust, empower, accountable, and mentor. And they can't be the same people. And in those coaching sessions that I gave people, I said, who is your team? Who are, who's, who are the people that like are in your corner? And most people said, like 90% of the people said either uh, one or no one. And you think about that. Who is in your corner? Who is your coach? Who is your mentor? Who is your board of directors on people that you can sit there and go to? Like, I'm having a rough day. Like last week, I had a shitty week. Everything was just discombobulated. I was just pissed off. Things with the book were going sideways. And so I reached out to one of my mentors and I said, hey, I know you always say, like, call me if I have anything. Well, I'm calling you. And that is not a sign of weakness. That's a sign of vulnerability. And vulnerability is actually a strength. And so I sat there and I poured my heart. I was like, well, I'm frustrated about this and I'm pissed off about this. And my expectation was this. I said, help me reframe my expectation about this. And he did. He says, it's not the right time. He goes, it's not, you want the book out right now because you want the, out, the, the, the output of everything else to be right now. He goes, it's not right now, but it's not yet. It's not that it's not going to come out. It's not yet, Chris. So think about using this time to even make it better. This is something where God source universe is in there saying it's not ready. And so let's work together to make it ready. And so he offered to help me jock. If you're listening or watching, thank you very much, buddy. So sometimes we have to make sure we have to, I mean, not sometimes we always have to make sure we have a board of directors and people that we can reach out to and not be afraid to reach out to people, right? I'm a strong individual. I can answer a lot of my own questions. I can take care of myself. I've been a very self-disciplined person. I am my own best coaching client because if literally if I'm going through something, I will sit there and say, Chris, if somebody came to you with this situation, what advice would you give them? And there's never been a shortage. There's never been one time where I'm like, fuck, I don't know. I would sit there and I would say, what about this? What about this? And I would ask them questions because I really don't tell people what to do. I ask them questions to get them to come to the, to the answers. I'm like, think about that, right? Think about the people in your life. Are you the strong, smartest person in the room? Have you invested? I talked about the workshop again. If you haven't don't know about the workshop, go watch the earlier part of the broadcast. You can see the workshop. You know, are you investing yourself? Are you taking time every single day? You know, one of the things I have my coaching clients do is get up an hour early every day. Chris, I'm not a morning person. 
All right, we'll do it in the afternoon. Do it in the evening. Do it. Take an hour for yourself every single day and take 20 minutes and work on your physical exercise. Take 20 minutes and work on your personal development and take 20 minutes to journal or to read, um, do something. Make sure you're investing in yourself every single day. There's 24 hours in a day. If JLo can do it, if The Rock can do it, the president can do it, if any person in your life that you admire can do it, fucking uh, post Malone, whatever, anybody, if they can become the people they become, they've done it because they've invested in themselves. And what are you doing? Are you constantly putting out fires? Are you constantly hoping and wishing and praying that someday something's going to change? The government's going to do this. This person's going to do that. That person's going to apologize. That person's going to change. It all starts within you. You, you have the answers. And like we said in the show tonight, one of the biggest things you can do is get clear on who you want to be remembered for. Who do you want to be remembered for? What do you stand for every single day? And then when you wake up, say what you're grateful for, focus, focus. Energy flows where focus goes, ladies and gentlemen. I'm grateful for my son sleeping in the room next to me. I'm grateful for the fact I have a roof over my head. I'm grateful for my animals being alive. I'm grateful for my wife having customers. I'm grateful for my, whatever it might be, then set the intention. My intention today is to be present and playful with my son. That's my first one. My intention is to use my words and my actions to make this world a better place. My intention is to live up to the legacy that I've created for myself because I know it's powerful, right? Set the intentions. And then as you're going through your day, ask yourself, am I living up to my intentions? Maybe I've had a bad moment. Don't let a bad moment equal a bad day. Don't equal, don't let a bad life up until this point equal the bad rest of your life because that's bullshit. Every single day and every single way, when you wake up in the morning, you have an opportunity to change your life, but you got to believe and you got to do it and you got to do the hard work. It's not easy. It's hard. Sometimes you have to leave a marriage. Sometimes you have to leave a job. You have to do something drastic, but guess what? On the other side of that challenge is victory. I've seen it thousands of times, probably say thousands of times by now. It can be done. You can do it. I'd love for you guys to let me know how this show impacted you. You guys can send me an email, Christopher at ChristopherRoush.com. Highly encourage you to go to check out the Canada and Notice show like they were talking about. We'll have the links in the show notes. But meanwhile, thank you guys all for being here. I appreciate you. We've got Robert Oldu. We got Otis in the house. We got Nelly. Thank you. Serena Scott. Uh, all you beautiful people in here. And I know people sometimes watch it and they don't comment. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If this show empowered you, please share this out. And we will be back here next week on the Ron and Scripted show. Next week, we have an amazing guest that I've just been recently introduced to. Her name's Tina Sibley. She is a powerhouse. She is going to change your attitude. All right. Until then, I love you guys. We'll see you here next time on the Ron and Scripted show. Go be brilliant. Peace.